Hello and welcome to The Lion's Den, a conversational show from Aslan's Place Ministry. I'm your host, Brian Cox. In this episode, Paul talks about the primary goal of Aslan's Place, which is to help others learn how to follow God's lead when praying for deliverance and in all areas of life. Then Barbara and I answer questions from participants and discuss the 2020 edition of our Generational Prayers book. So with that, let's enter the lion's den. Dad, you were mentioning that you'd like to take a slight turn today and talk about a little bit with the history of Aslan's Place and then what our purpose is here. Yes, and actually I did not share this with you before. This actually came around a new discernment that we I received this last week, which we'll talk about in a future podcast. But the conversation started with someone saying, uh, well, your expertise is uh, actually generational prayer. And it occurred to me that I really did not believe that that is uh, what we're about. And what I believe we really are about is has developed over uh, the last several years. When we first started uh, Aza's Place, uh, actually it started with me doing the first deliverance in uh, 1989. It was October the uh, 7th, 1989. And I prayed for someone, there was a deliverance, and then uh, I realized that something significant happened. We shared that with the church the next day, the church staff and deacons. And then all of a sudden, lots and lots of people started showing up for deliverance. And we were just doing classic deliverance, though I didn't know that's what that was at that time. And sometimes two or three times a week, people come in. We have these long contracted um, prayer times. We would have people manifesting and uh, and then gradually the Lord started asking us to go back one direction though I didn't know he was asking us we just get these ideas then we went back two dra- uh, generations and we went back three generations then we went back four generations and pretty soon the Lord took us back more generations than that and I would have to go searching through the Bible and think well is this biblical that we're going back so far, and the Lord showed us that indeed it was biblical. And then we've gone back down, I, me personally, as many as like 400, 425 generations. So then we ge- developed generational prayer. In those early years, between 1989 and 1991, when I was doing these prayer sessions, I did not feel, hear anything. But I would invite people, and they started receiving all this information from the Lord. They started having visions. Even some people started speaking in tongues. All this was happening in our our prayer sessions. And then I, after I was invited to leave the church in August of 1991, I started feeling things on my head, and the Lord started developing the gift of discernment. So I have this pressure on my head or different parts of my body where I discern things and feel things. And then the Lord kept on moving us along and I get more and more revelation. And people started to receive more and more revelation. And we were doing these generational prayers. And then I started discerning evil that I started discerning angels and then other spiritual beings. So probably we have over 100 different aspects of God or spiritual beings or uh, entities that uh, we discern. So this continued all the way until uh, May the 22nd, 2010. I had felt that we were supposed to go to Aziz's place on the beginning of Pentecost. And that year, I believe it was on a Saturday night. Anyway, the Sunday Pentecost was on Sunday, which starts 
at sundown on 22nd, which was a Saturday. So I invite whoever wanted to come to Az's place to come on May the 22nd, 2010. And so everybody came and we had probably 14 people there. It was not a large group at all. And when sundown came at around 7.50 that night, I felt like we were all supposed to stand up. So we stood up and all of a sudden I started running backwards. And it's very strange to even think about how how you do that. How do, how do you just start running backwards? But I actually ran backwards in our ministry room, which uh, was the size of a double car garage. It was what we used for also for our family living room. I ran around 7,000, 7, seven times. And then the power of God hit me. I was on the couch or on my chair, actually and shaking under the power of God. And I was asking everybody, well, what does this mean? Why am I walking backwards and or running backwards? And I couldn't figure out why I was. And we talked through several things, never quite got an answer. Someone had to drive me home because there was so much power on me. I remember they took me back to our house and I, they carried me into our living room and Donna said, well, now what's going on? And I was in the chair with power power surges going through me. Well, I pondered that for a long time, and then I started receiving a new discernment on my head, which was on the left-hand side about where I feel angels, and it felt like smoke was coming out of my head, like there's this movement coming out. And one day I finally got on the phone with my friend Rob Gross from Mountain View Community Church, and we started asking, Lord, what is this, and who is this, and why am I feeling this? And finally, we determined that I was discerning Melchizedek. And Melchizedek um, is mentioned in Genesis 10. I think it's Genesis 14, rather. And um, Psalm, Psalm 110, and then Hebrews. And I kept on thinking, well, I don't get it. What What is the big deal about Melchizedek? I know he's our high priest, but why am I discerning him? And what does this have to do with running backwards? And a, a young man had joined us. Uh, had, he had first come for prayer, and he had spent actually the entire month of July that year uh, joining me for prayer sessions. And it was in one of those prayer sessions I had what I call my aha, and I knew exactly what was going on. And if you turn to Hebrews chapter 5, uh, this was a verse that a friend of mine had given to me um, years before when I had done my first, um, my first seminar on discernment. And after I had come home from that trip, he called me, he said, the Lord told me to give you this verse, and it was Hebrews 5, verse, um, chapter 5, verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised in discerning both good and evil. So on that July date in 2010, I recognized that Hebrews 5.14 is actually right in the middle of the Melchizedek passage, which begins, uh, actually there, there's a transition from chapter chapters 3 to 4, then 5, 6, and 7. And the verse preceding um, 5.14 says this, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. And then it says, but solid food belongs to those who are discerning. And so if you go further up into chapter 5, we have this information about Melchizedek. 
starting with verse 5, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son today, I have begotten you. As he also says another place, you are priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And Brian and uh, Barbara, I recognize that discernment is actually understanding when Melchizedek is interceding for you to the Father, and then when the Father answers with spiritual activity, through discernment you can tell what the Father is doing. It was then that I recognized that really Asa's place is not about generational discernment, generational deliverance. It is not about discernment, but it's actually about understanding what the Father is doing and then being obedient to what he is doing. Remember Jesus in, in John 5 said, I only do what the Father is doing. And so I, I would say that really our purpose is, is to understand as best we can what the Father is doing, what Jesus wants us to do, and then doing it. And so even when we do generational prayer, we're always discerning, okay, what is Jesus doing right now? What is the Father doing? What does the Holy Spirit want us to do? And then we do that, and then we are walking in obedience. One of the things that I find most exciting with Asin's Place is how we're able to help people realize that we are nothing special, frankly, that it's Jesus who is so amazing and that everyone has the same connection to God through Jesus Christ. And we do have a good amount of practice in addressing certain topics in prayer or in working in discernment, but we're the first ones to say that we have so much to learn. In fact, we're never done learning. Uh, Barbara, what would you like to add? Well, I would just say that even though people may come to Aslan's place looking for generational prayer, you know, probably a good portion of the time they're going to get that. But in listening to where the Lord's going, watching where the Lord's going, they might also encounter inner healing or especially with Paul, um, sometimes with me and I'm sure with Brian as well, all of a sudden the Lord just takes over and we sit back and watch and we might not be doing anything and just waiting because the Lord is doing it all. So we can't really, I think, say this is all we do because we do whatever the Father is doing, just as Paul said. We were talking, we were talking, um, I think last time about the paths and I think when I mentioned Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And I think we may have mentioned this, that we believe the ancient paths are really his paths. When, we are, when we're walking on the ancient path, we are watching, we're walking into his path, and we're trusting in him to direct our path, and we're not leaning up onto our own understanding. What's really shocking to me is that, you know, I attend church services, and sometimes when I'm, I'm the leader of, of that service, and the Lord interrupts what is the schedule and how, how difficult it, people find it to adjust to what the Lord wants to do because it appears that, you know, we have this agenda that we need to do. And Brian and I have talked about this before, and maybe Barbara and I, that we've been some places where the worship team has their one-hour set of worship. And it becomes very clear that the Lord is not doing that right now. The Lord is doing something totally different. And if I have the, the courage to step up and say we need to stop, many times I am really criticized for interrupting the worship 
but it is clear that is not what the Father is doing. And, and the Lord wants his church back. He wants to be doing what he is doing, not what we are doing. And frankly, it really becomes difficult because people are not used to that. They're not used to the Lord leading the church service in the direction that he wants to do it. And I, I feel this strong nudging in me that we must be obedient to the Lord. And I, I want to add here to uh, what's the word I want? Um, two uh, appendices to doing what the Father is doing. First of all, if the Father is doing something, it's always going to be biblical. In other words, it's not going to be contrary to Scripture. And the second thing that's true is it's always going to be done in unity. In other words, there's going to be many of us that are going to sense that this is true. In other words, this is not a cult thing going on where I determine, okay, this is what God is doing, so we're all going to do it. But we do it always in the context of the group. So I will say, I have a sense that this is happening. Are any of you feeling this? I remember one time I was in a worship service and I felt like I was supposed to stop it. And so I, I stopped and I said to all the people, how many of you are having trouble right now? There were over 300 people there. Easily 85% of the people raised their hand and they said they're having trouble. And I knew that we, we had to stop because there was interference coming into our worship. And I was criticized later that that was impossible. But again, the idea of unity, the people, many of us, so I would say over 250 people were in agreement that something was not right. So when we are talking about doing what the Father is doing, it's always, is this biblical? And is there unity about the sense that indeed we should be going in this direction. When we go somewhere else, I understand when organizers have their schedule and they sometimes don't really understand how we operate. And so they may have a certain amount of time set aside for singing and for this and for that. So I think it's very important what you said, Paul, that all of us are willing to bend and do whatever we have a sense that the Father is doing. And one of the main reasons we know this works is when we are at Aslan's place, it doesn't matter what we're doing. We can be in the biggest deliverance of all time, and God has his eye on the clock. And it might be five minutes to five, and we don't know how are we ever going to get out of here. In five minutes, he wraps it up and we're done. Lord's um, always on time. He's always on time. And sometimes we do sing for 30 minutes or an hour, or sometimes we don't even start with worship because that's not what he's doing. But the, the key thing is, like you said, he's always on time. He knows what he wants to do, and he's very gracious to work around us. Yes. I was thinking back, Dad, uh, to when you were an American Baptist pastor, I suppose I should say you still are an American Baptist pastor. They haven't kicked you out yet. I still am somewhere inside. <laughs> uh, but but we had, and I, frankly, I, I picture it as if it was on the pulpit, but I, I remember seeing the words equipping the believer for ministry. I actually had that on my letterhead. Yes. Okay. I knew it was yep. somewhere. Yeah. Yes, and, that's where it was. And so interestingly enough there, in a Baptist church with hymnals and pews and programs that listed the order of service, we were still learning the fundamentals of the Bible, and we were still falling in love with God and with the Word. Absolutely. And, and then for us then, as God started to change the agenda, then some of us were able to go along for the ride. And we find this as one of the factors we address, as you know, in generational prayer, where sticking with religion rather than relationship is something that sometimes requires a little bit of work. In other words, we end up praying and addressing those who focus more on rules rather than on a relationship with God. 
And I think that's one of the big breakthroughs that God is bringing to the whole body of Christ, where because we're so used to trying to form a plan on how to solve a problem, and that plan then is following the rules in the Bible, and then everything should be okay. But yes. that it's not about rules. It's about solving problems how God leads us to. When we can get into that following position instead of trying to lead, then we find there's so much more freedom. And, we, of course, we know we're experiencing more of that in our lives. But at the same time, we, we get to see so many other people move into more freedom as we, we help them see where God's taking them into breakthrough. I'm glad you used that word because early on, it was all about being free, being free in Jesus Christ, freedom. And I realized, I don't know how long ago it was, that it really is not about freedom. It's about being free to be obedient. That, that because of the generational clogging by the enemy, we, we find all these pools and we, we do what the Apostle Paul says, I think it's in Romans 6, the things I do, I do not want to do, and the things I do not want to do, I do. And so there's no freedom. But when, when you're free, then you're free to be obedient. And I think obedience to Christ is more important than a freedom. I went uh, twice to Haiti, and Brian went one time, and I think you were how old, Brian? 16 years old. 16 years old. He remembers that trip. And when we were there the first time, the American Baptist uh, missionary said a very interesting thing about the, the Haitian people, that when they were set free from slavery, they envisioned that slavery, the freedom meant that you were free to do nothing. And so they have that mindset that freedom means I don't have to do anything. And so, so instead of working, and then, of course, you're just free, and which, of course, is one aspect of freedom. You can be free to do nothing. But that is not what we want in Christ. We want freedom so that we can be obedient. I, I remember coming to uh, what I think is the most terrifying verse in the Bible, and the verse is about Saul. Saul was told by Samuel to go and to wait. And I think he was supposed to wait so many days, and I can't remember the number of days now. And the, the enemy was coming. He panicked, and so he, he did not wait. He made a sacrifice. And all of a sudden, Samuel is there. So, so literally, Saul misses God's will by minutes. And because of his disobedience, the Lord says, you have now lost the kingdom. And I thought that is a terrifying word, to be that close and you miss, and you, you miss God's best. And that is a terrifying scripture to me. And I do not want to get to that point. I, I want to walk in absolute obedience. And the difficulty is that when you're walking this kind of obedience, again, it's biblical. As a relationship and unity with others, but as you're walking this way, most people are not going to agree with you. Most people are going to say you're wrong, and I've been told that so many times. You are wrong. You should not be doing this. And yet I know that I know that I need to continue. And I, fortunately, I have those people around me that I really trust and that love me, and they say you are not to stop. And this is the kind of walk that we want to have. And I believe, Brian and Barbara, this is the kind of walk that we are going to encourage the youth to walk in, this walk of absolute obedience to Christ. And it may even be that our life will depend upon it or others' lives will depend upon it, that if we, as we move into the last days, that we will need to have this kind of obedience to the Lord that, that will keep us protected and safe and in walking on and in the ancient path. I feel, Dad, what you just said regarding the youth and this radical obedience is very timely. One of the resistances we experienced in church was to the supernatural. Somehow there, there was this attitude that only the enemy caused supernatural activities in this age. And so anything that bumped into that realm had to be of the enemy. But of course, 
God's alive and well, Jesus is alive and well, and how is it that the enemy gets to have all the fun? Now, pop culture has absorbed sorcery as just a normal thing to do. We have the Harry Potter series, of course, infinite fictional presentations of the use of magic, sorcery, and even incantations that are memorized by kids. What's going to happen is that what the enemy has used to proliferate the use of ungodly supernatural behavior, as usual, God will turn around for his good as he promises he will do. And when the youth and people of all ages realize that the promises of those fictional stories are empty, they'll turn to the reality of life in Jesus Christ, realize that they'll move in the supernatural, but as guided through the Holy Spirit in true power from God into true freedom and happiness. And then they'll, they won't have to be introduced to the supernatural because Hollywood and fictional stories are to care of that, but then they'll actually be moving into truth, into true freedom. And I think an effectiveness that we probably haven't seen before. I agree. Absolutely. I think also it's important when you think about freedom to realize that our freedom is not, as you said, Paul, the freedom just to go and do whatever, whatever we want or don't want. And again, Paul was clear in the scriptures and others that we are, what's the song? No longer a slave to sin. I am a child of God. Our slavery is to the effects of the original sin and of all that the enemy has done to deceive us down through the generations and enslave us to death and to deception. Whereas in reality, when we become free in Christ, we become free from that obligation and we still become slaves, but bond slaves to Christ, not bond slaves to sin. There's a big difference. In choosing to be his yoke, his yoke is not heavy, right? But and but choosing him and choosing to serve him, choosing our freedom in him instead of being enslaved by the yoke that is heavy. Amen. Well, Dad, before we let you go, do you have any final thoughts or comments you'd like to add? I think I am finished. Want to take a moment to address a comment or question that had come up on the chat. Um, A gentleman had mentioned that he finds that he'll reach some breakthrough or he'll feel like he's starting to have some freedom, but then is hearing things around the house or, or will feel that, that he's lost that progress that was made. And of course I'm paraphrasing the question. One of the things that is really important to keep in mind is we're dealing with a big fat liar when it comes to the enemy and all that are fallen liars. And so a lot of what happens is if we focus on the problem and we know this from experience in our own lives, Barbara and I do dad does everyone who works at Aslan's place and those we work with in ministry. When we focus on a problem, the problems will get bigger and it's harder to see God's solutions. We mentioned how, legalism can get in the way of a true solution from God. But then fear is another aspect of that. And fear was actually part of the topic that we brought up last week and is covered in some level of detail in Exploring Heavenly Places, Volume 11. But I wanted to remind you, uh, Paul, from on the chat, it's very important to keep Romans 8 in mind. It's actually an amazing chapter of the Bible. Of course, the whole Bible is amazing. But when you look at Romans 8, verses 38 through and 39, it points out that there's nothing that can touch you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, no matter how bad things seem. So I encourage you to continue to stay in the word of God. Remember that your prayers are always heard. And I encourage you to pray and ask God to show you the breakthroughs that he's bringing and that he silenced the deception of the enemy. Barbara, anything you'd like to say or bring up before I go on to our next topic? I would just say be persistent in continuing to go after your total healing and freedom. One thing that has amazed me in the years that I've been alongside Paul at Aslan's Place 
And that's at every major event we have. We have another big new prayer and we get more amazing breakthrough. And, you know, after all these years doing this, Paul is still going through deliverance just like the rest of us. My own personal theory is if we are completely delivered, we're done and we get to go home. Probably like Enoch or Elijah. But also, Brian, I, would, I don't know if you'd like to comment on your dad's teaching about how just because something seems to come back, it doesn't mean God canceled the healing. His healing doesn't get canceled. It just means the enemies found another, another right. And one of the teachings that I'm sure is on the website and I think we probably have a prayer that addresses the ungodly libraries, is to uh, learn how to ask the Lord to destroy all records of the offenses that the enemy is going back and trying to find another loophole to get through. As a side note, the prayer to reestablish God's original creative design addresses ungodly libraries. This prayer is available in our prayer book and at aslansplace.com. Almost always when I'm finished and I'm praying for someone at the end of a session, we'll ask the Lord to take care of all of the ungodly doors that no longer have a right to remain open and to open all of the righteous doors so that he can live in the gates. And that is covered in volume three. And there's a lot of stuff on the website about doors and gates as well. That sounds like that'd be a good topic for another streaming event is yeah. key items or concepts to keep in mind as you're going through deliverance or generational prayer. Circling back to the concept that we were just talking about and, and sharing with Paul from online, we need to remember the concept of discernment. Discernment is, as we see it as a spiritual gift, the use of all of our senses by God to show us what he is doing. So the official definition I like to use is God's use of the five physical senses to show us what he is doing and also to help us understand with information from the Holy Spirit, good from evil. Oftentimes we find that people feel they're being under attack or after they've addressed and prayed and cleared stuff up that they still are sensing it, hearing things or feeling it around. And that's where we need to make that distinction that just because you're sensing something doesn't mean it's connected to you or even after you. It could be God showing you something so that he can then demonstrate how he's setting you free or in order to teach you something to pray and help bring freedom to others. So we always encourage you whenever you're feeling something that you have a sense is connected supernaturally, then start by asking God what it is. In fact, I always encourage you to start by praising God. God, I thank you that I am safe in your arms, according to Romans 8. Lord, show me what do you want me to understand about what I am sensing right now, and let me know what, if anything, you'd like me to do with what I'm discerning right now. When you keep your focus on God, you'll find that the enemy is losing a lot of its impact because it's no longer able to drive you into fear, but rather is pushing you closer to God, which of course would be the opposite of what the enemy would like to do with you right now or at any time, really. Let's talk for a moment about our book, Generational Prayers. We just released the 2020 edition and it has a few more prayers in it than the 2018. Let me talk for a moment about how we release these. With our Generational Prayer book, that is a collection of all the prayers that we've published. They are right now all available on our website at aslensplace.com, but many of us feel that it's a lot handier to have it in a printed book so it, or on an electronic device. So we have it as an ebook for the Kindle and it's available on amazon.com and our bookstore as a paperback. When we're praying, it can often be difficult to know how to get started, especially if it's a generational topic where we haven't experienced it before. As we started to work in prayer with deliverance and then especially in the generational concept, God, through the Holy Spirit, started to teach us the wording about how to address, through repentance, many of these topics. And we started to write them down. 
our first prayer book is just a few. And we actually ended up having two separate volumes. And what would happen is when we first started with the prayer book, the office staff would add on the prayers whenever they were put out. This is when the website was quite small. Keep in mind, we started Aslan's Place in 99, so the internet was nothing compared to what it is now. At a certain point, we decided to switch from simply adding prayers as they were published into a book and printing the new book. We moved to printing through professional service so that the book was more rugged, and we started having editions named after a year. That way you know if you have the most current volume and you know what books will be in that particular title. So what kind of topics are addressed? Everything from repenting for sins that started in the family line as covered in the first chapter of Romans to dealing with Druidism. I have a prayer that I'd written as I learned to help people release burdens over to God. So it's a prayer to release burdens, but it is covered with an index. But in addition to the index, it's in the prayer book, of course. Remember that we have the full search engine on our website at asinsplace.com. So when you feel God highlights a certain topic for you address in prayer, you can actually go to our website, type that keyword into the search box, and we'll bring up prayers that will cover that, and it'll bring up any articles as well. Barbara, I thought it would be handy to give any examples if you've seen where the prayer book came in handy during a prayer session or a particular prayer that you found significant or that you find comes up rather frequently? One that I'm very grateful for is I have a niece with a husband and three kids who has not a lot of access to the kind of things we do. And she has a prayer manual and she routinely prays through one, two, three prayers every night, even if just by herself on behalf of herself and her kids. And, you know, it's a really long story, but there's a lot of, two of her kids were fostered and there's a lot of family history that's difficult there. And I really think that the prayers are making a huge difference in the lives of those kids, not to mention my niece and her husband and everyone else. So I'm appreciative for that sort of a use. I often use them if I'm one-on-one with a person in the room, especially if we're doing like a healing well at Aslan's place or something like that. But I find the computer also very helpful. The thing I would mention about the new prayer manual is sometimes people wonder where to find the new prayers. Brian, if I'm not mistaken, I think the index goes from the earliest written to the latest written. Is that right? So if you were going to come, yeah, the table of contents. So if you're going to have a 2016 version, you want to know the difference with the 2020 version, wherever 16 left off is where 17, 18, 19, and 20 pick up. So you don't have to sort through all of your old prayer manuals to find out what's there and what's not there. I find that helpful to know. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's also like a history record. For the most part, the first prayer in the prayer book is the first prayer we learned. And we kept on stacking them in as we go. But, you know, I'll tell you, some of those first prayers are some of the most effective ones still, I find. Some of my favorite prayers are like in the first 30 pages. There's some really powerful stuff there. You know, we didn't even, I think, sometimes understand some of the things that we were developing. And now we have new revelation and new insights into things. And we think, oh, well, like the prayer for the body and the prayer for the soul. Those were before I came along within a year or two. But I often go back to them. And now I look at some of the new revelation. I think, well, we have a prayer for that. And it's the really old ones. Exactly correct. And the prayer for physical body was the exact one I was going to bring up. We, at our last week-long academy, there was some revelation about how the enemy had rights to corrupt realities. And dad started mentioning, like, oh, this is interesting. We should address this. 
and I reminded him, we actually have that in a prayer from a very long time ago, and we brought it up and were amazed at how a prayer that came out through revelation and prophetic word is actually being, the understanding is still unfolding today. You know, that does actually make things interesting for me as the one who fields all the questions through our website. And by the way, anytime if you have questions on our prayers or teachings, you can send them to office at aslinsplace.com. One of the things that is an adventure for me is we'll put out a new prayer, like the prayer dealing with the father of lies, but we get the prayer out, testing it against the word of God, making sure that nothing is contrary, but not, and feeling that it is all true, but not necessarily having a full understanding that we can articulate yet. And so the questions come in right away, asking for explanations and more detail on this concept. And oftentimes, you know, people will write a big article, which I did for the burdens prayer. I write my full explanation. I put out the prayer and here you go. Some of these, we get the prayer first and the understanding comes later. Well, in the father of lies prayers, Brian, you put in initially one or two footnotes and then I added some more and I just looked at it. And that, along with other new prayers, I think we're probably going to do a lot more footnoting in terms of where scriptures are. But one of the reasons the older prayers remain relevant is the Bible is relevant. And every single prayer that is in that prayer manual is got a scriptural foundation, as you just said. So the Bible doesn't change, therefore the prayers don't have to always be updated. Something else I'd like to point out is when you're looking for a concept in the prayer, remember that you can type in that keyword and it's really quite helpful. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine asked if we had any prayers on narcissism. I quickly did an index search in my brain and thought, no, I don't think we do. And so we, we actually pondered for a little bit and discussed some things we could add into such a prayer. Well, she recently sent me a message saying, you do have a prayer that addresses narcissism. And I realized I had tried to go from memory and didn't type it into the search on the website and actually found the prayer that had that as one of the topics addressed. So never hesitate to, if you're wondering how to address something in prayer, try that search box at asinsplace.com and you may find a solution or at least a starting point. I should say the solutions from the Holy Spirit, not the prayer, but you can find a starting point in praying. Yeah, and another thing about that search box is as you hear these podcasts or, you know, if you come to Aslan's Place and you hear about new prayers that you don't see in your current version, those prayers go on the website right away if they haven't been printed yet. Like anything that's not in the 2020 version a year from now, it will be, but in the meantime, it's on the website. But that said, I think one of the things that's really good about the printed version is, you know, we're in an age when a lot of us get a lot of our reading electronically, but there's also still a lot of us that like to have a paper book in our hand. And I think this is especially helpful for people that like to have that book in their hands that they can underline and they can read read it and go over it and over and over it and write their notes in the margins and all of that. And, you know, my Bible is kind of like my prayer manual and I have a big journaling Bible because I love to write in the margins and I was always running out of room. So I got one that had room on the sides. And if I were using the prayer manual as extensively at this point as some people do, it would probably look like my Bible does where I would put dates when a certain thing popped to me or that I prayed about a certain thing, or I might even write my prayer in the margin of my Bible. I could see that a very handy thing in having the printed copy would be to write the date somewhere on the page. This is when I prayed this prayer and you know, your own personal notebook of when you prayed, the changes that you saw, um, highlighted passages you might need to go over again, something that really resonates with you, and you can go to the website and do the search and see if there's another prayer that has that same sort of an emphasis. 
because sometimes one prayer or three or four prayers might have the same sort of emphasis, and yet each one says something slightly different. And, you know, the enemy is such a legalist, sometimes it's just good to pray them all. As the Lord leads, of course. <laughs> Definitely, as the Lord leads. But I like the idea of journaling in it. We have had people who have come for ministry sessions and they bring their personal copy and they make notes as they go through different prayers. I want to be sure to take a moment to convey our perspective on this prayer book and on our prayers. The prayers that we publish are not the answer. They're definitely not a quick fix. They're only starting points. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that is the answer. As you pray, you always want to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Bible is always the place to start when you're wondering about how to pray on a certain topic. Do searches in the Bible on Bible verses to see what God has to say about the topic. Then as you're doing that, listen to the Holy Spirit and God will help you learn and understand how to pray. If you're stuck or you're still not sure how to get going, then take a look at the prayer examples. You could also send in messages to us. And if you're finding that you're not sure how to address a certain topic in prayer, let us know and we'll do our best to answer or help if we can. But I just want to make sure and clarify that the Bible is always the place to start. We want to, of course, bring up our prayer book, but I want to make sure you know where our priorities are with this. So Barbara, we're, we're just about out of time here. I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts or comment. Well, I think that it's also, I know we've said this before, um, but I don't think we can say it often enough. The way these prayers are developed is in community. And there can be anyway from, you know, one or two to 20 or 50 people developing a prayer at a given time. Most of them are anywhere from 15 to 50 people have contributed to the the way that gets done is only by God, because I don't know if you've ever tried to come to agreement with 50 people in a matter of hours on anything, let alone a page-long prayer or two pages. So as Paul was saying early on in this broadcast, we really, really, really follow the lead of the Spirit. And when we do that, he gives us effective prayers based on scripture and on his truth that are effective and brian i have to say how much i appreciate your scientific mind because brian always contributes things that we may not quite understand how to phrase in a scientific sense whereas someone in another um, profession or with another strength will have insight into how to phrase something else. And so it's, it's really the coming together of the body to develop the prayers. And it's, I think that's, that's probably one of the big reasons they're so effective. I agree. It's, it is in that pursuit of unity where the prayers are most effective. And, and I tell you, I have a lot of fun uh, with the phone calls I'll get from dad or when we start to go into science type topics at an academy. And I'm constantly amazed on how science, which I would say is still information taught to humans from God, but science and scientific research is giving us vocabulary to communicate what God is showing us and what has been in the Bible, but was communicated with language that was only available at the time. And it's a lot of fun where I'll get a phone call from dad and he'll say something like, okay, tell me about torsion. Or, <laughs> or he'll say, tell me about DNA. Centripetal force. Yeah, centripetal <laughs> force. That was another one, exactly. And then of course, I'll start downloading what I know. But he'll already have, through Revelation and from the Bible, an explanation of the supernatural concept, but then we see then how it connects to the physical, which of course then ties into more healing too. I'd like to, before we go, address a question that just came up on the chat. Uh, Jessica had asked if we had any comments on the courts of heaven. And so that would of course be a podcast all on its own, 
But there is something really big we'd like to share with that. The Bible is clear that there are many different courts of heaven. What are these? These are supernatural locations where God passes judgment. It's clear, too, that in the physical, you don't just go into a court willy-nilly. You wait to be invited. So what we would say is when you're wondering about decisions being made in the courts of heaven or about praying in the courts of heaven, wait for God to bring you there. Because if you just go in and declare that you're taking something to the courts of heaven, you could end up overstepping your authority. So even with the courts of heaven, it goes to the sense of waiting to see what God wants to do, using your discernment with practice, of course, to discern if God is bringing you into a court, and then ask God what you should be praying while you're there. Anything you'd like to add with that, Barbara? Courts of heaven is addressed in volume 11. Aha, very good. It's interesting. We, there's one verse that talks about where going into the inner court uninvited is actually punishable by death in the physical, in biblical times. And so that really should give us pause that God's putting this information about courts in the Bible for a reason. By the way, there are courts where we're called, we have an open standing invitation we have an open invitation to enter his courts with praise. But understanding that there are many different courts, there are some where he passes judgment that we need to wait till we're invited. Well, I, I think I put it in the book, Brian, but the Lord surprised me one day. I had a sense we might be going to a court. And all of a sudden, I had a word of knowledge. Oh, no, 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 we're not in a court. This is a deposition. So a deposition is legal. And when God does something, it has often legal standing, even if it hasn't happened in a court. So there are a lot of things to consider about the legalities of things. All right, very good. Well, whether you're looking for Exploring Heavenly Places, Volume 11, or Generational Prayers 2020 edition, or any of our other printed resources, you can find them on aslensplace.com in the bookstore or on amazon.com. You can search on Barbara Parker or Paul Cox. And the keyword for a whole main series, of course, would be Exploring Heavenly Places. Thanks for listening. The Lion's Den is a production of Aslan's Place Ministry. To donate to this ministry, please visit aslansplace.com and click the donate button. And we hope you'll join us next time in The Lion's Den.